Alrighty, welcome everybody back to another episode of Nothing to Fear, the weekly podcast all about horror movies. Um, my name is Billy Schultz, and once again, I'm joined by my two very good friends, Luke Mason and Alex Wan. And how are you doing this fine early Sunday morning on which we find ourselves recording? Luke, how are you? <laughs> I am well. I am excited for today. I uh, No more spoilers than that, I suppose. Ooh, all right. <laughs> how about you, Alex? I'm good. Uh, were either of you, like, I- I'm sure you were awake, but, like, with that giant storm last night. Oh, man. It was amazing. I was on the phone, and I kept being distracted by, like, oh, my gosh, look at that lightning. Oh, my gosh, look at that lightning. <laughs> it was uh, v- probably very distracting for the person I was on the phone with, but uh, that's okay. I was really enjoying the lightning uh, and thunder. I imagine, very, very like, like it was worse in other parts of the city than here. Like, mm-hmm. it rained a lot here, but then there's videos of, like, houses just destroyed by the hail and stuff like that. And Yeah, and, so. like highways like flash flooded yeah 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 but you know i think the biggest lesson that you can get out of what happened last night is don't don't use vinyl for your house (laughs) yeah go digital (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's why my apartment is covered in cds Um. (laughs) yeah Uh, they look weird though hey they're just destroyed yeah how do you even fix that yeah it it looks like just like like bullet holes you know like just 2020 keeps on keeps on coming but um, the drive here this morning, you know, after a fresh th- storm, it was beautiful. It was everything was yeah, nice, and nice and it's green and we got blue skies. So although just to uh, reach peak uh, irrelevance to our listeners by the time this comes out, of it's course. supposed to rain later today. Oh, yeah. Right. So <laughs> if you're somehow listening to this at this exact time uh, or not, or if by the time you're listening to us, there's a weather forecast where it's going to rain where you are later, then I guess we predicted that. Um, <laughs> and if not, then we're about as average as any other meteorologist <laughs> in predicting the weather. Um, you know well maybe maybe that's the thing they have to worry about now why would you why would you say <laughs> that in that such a way like hey, i don't i don't understand Luke, that's a great uh hmm. two-wheel motorized um vehicle <laughs> leading into what <laughs> oh shit. that your setup for a segue was <laughs> a two-wheeled vehicle oh yeah if only there was another it. one <laughs> It's a, it's a two-wheel broom, right? A two-wheel broom? Uh, That's what... Alex has spoke. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I think we're off to a good start. First of all, I want to apologize to everybody listening to that. Um, it's not good. No, that's fine. Um, but yeah, we are watching The Thing today. Um, this is a movie by John Carpenter from the mm. 80s with Kurt Russell. And this is one for me, and I'll get your, your thoughts on what you know about it in a second but this is one for me where it has sort of permeated through pop culture again forever and like because i listen to a lot of other movie podcasts this is one that comes up a lot as like a great one as a great like mystery as a great like you know there's a like a great ending and they always talk about you know kurt russell and john carpenter in these like glowing terms and i'm i'm pretty excited to watch it um i know that there's some like gross body horror stuff that happens in this movie and that's a big a big like no for me but um i feel like it's going to be 1980s weird effects so it'll be able to see the seams as it were but um yeah so that's that's the thing Uh, i haven't seen it before uh we're gonna that's gonna happen a lot we're gonna say here's the thing and then we'll all chuckle and we'll just have to get on with our day but yeah i haven't seen it i'm excited to see it i've heard it's really good but yeah alex you were mentioning before we started recording 
that you know almost nothing about this movie? Almost nothing. Um, I think the only thing I actually kind of know about it is I, I could be completely wrong, um, but I think there's like a video game based off of the movie. And all I remember is watching videos of um, like a guy running around like a like a research station. So I think that's what it's about. This is about like some kind of research station with a thing. So it sounds like Horror Fantastic to me. Horror Fantastica, for sure. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think I think you're right. I, I'm not. Is it in an- Antarctica? It's either in Antarctica or the High Arctic, one of the two. Taste. A, a cold place. Sure. A cold place. Okay. Could be Edmonton. Uh, burn on Edmonton. Oh, take that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Edmonton, if you're listening to this, you guys suck. Oh, be nice. That's right. a good way to get listeners, Alex. <laughs> uh, all right, Luke, what about you? What do you know about this movie? Uh, I probably know the most about it that you could know about a movie you've never seen before. <laughs> so... I feel like I know a lot about it, and I've never seen it. And this is of all the movies we've done thus far, this is one I'm the most excited for because of how much I've heard about it. And it's basically universally panned as a great movie. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever come across like a YouTube video or a comment of someone who's seen it who's who's either even been neutral about it. It's not like a mm, meh kind of movie. It's like oh yeah, the thing, classic, you know, kind of idea and i think i'm i'm really pumped to see kurt russell in his yeah. kurt russellist his most, type of like 19, 1980s kurt russell you know you thought chris pratt was something to behold at any point in time oh, that's right yeah chris uh, kurt russell 1980s and with are john the, carpenter are the two of them related in some way well no i'm just thinking like their connection is guardians of the galaxy oh uh, yeah i think and, that's why uh, <laughs> i think that's, they are related in some way <laughs> uh, i think that's why i know as much or I've heard as much about the thing in recent years because mm. of Kurt Russell kind of coming back to the screens in in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and he also did like a weird Christmas movie where he played a very like sexy Santa Claus <laughs> right. uh, on Netflix and he's been in some of the more recent Fast and Furious movies oh I, that's I right the he's Fast the uh, Mr. Nobody Mr. Nobody just <laughs> drinking beer wearing sunglasses and shooting guns exactly and so I'm I'm pumped. I know. I mean, I, there are plot things I know about, so maybe I won't say them now because Alex has no idea about mm-hmm. it. Uh, I will say though that I think what is, I'm sure there are many things in a movie that are important in the history of movies, but I can say now I think this is arguably one of the greatest movie posters of all time. Is yeah. for this movie is the is the figure in the parka or whatever it's called with the shine on its face and it's yep. just like imposing because you're getting a low angle of it and it's just the thing and it's like it would be a movie poster that would immediately make you want to see the movie and still have no idea what it's about. Yeah, if you think <laughs> of the name like the thing is like you know, I've had so many teachers growing up being like don't describe you know your work with stuff or things it's very lazy it's very you know it's very unimaginative writing and it's it's a cheap shortcut and then here's this movie in 1982 being like what's up bitches it's Mm. the thing yeah exactly and and you just have to to go along with that so Mm -hmm. yeah i think that it's gonna be enjoyable i think that uh we're gonna we're gonna have to just watch it and we'll have lots of thoughts after and it's kind of exciting to have a bunch of people who you know, us three ha- who haven't watched it. Um, like you, Luke, I think I know more about it through reading and listening to podcasts and hearing so many people have this like on their top 10 of like either horror movies or Kurt Russell movies or just like movies from the 80s. Like it, it always seems to like sneak its way onto those lists. And um, 
I'm like looking forward to experiencing it. Yeah, I'm. My prediction is that I think it's going to be less scary than it is going to be entertaining. I would not disagree with that mm, yeah. prediction. And part of it is because, like you mentioned, the 1980s practical effects might not be as terrifying now as they would have been when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Good point about like the the title of the movie. You just don't know what it's going to be about, and I think that's what's pretty intriguing about it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to a movie like Cowboys versus Aliens, um, or Cowboys and Aliens, like it's you know, Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, yeah, you is. know exactly what you're getting or, into. Uh, or the the Mark Wahlberg hit movie Lone Survivor. Right. I wonder what's going to happen to the other three guys. <laughs> I just want to say, circle back, Alex, I think you're the first person that's talked about Cowboys and Aliens since that movie came out. You know what? I <laughs> I, I watched like it on a plane. And so it disappeared. It, it, I watched it on a plane, so it might have skewed how I how I. There were so it. many famous people in that movie. That is a perfect plane movie, though. Yeah, and but we can like, talk about that at a different time. This isn't the Cowboys and Aliens podcast, but maybe. I liked it because it, it told me exactly what I was going into. You're like, Cowboys and Aliens? Done. Let's Done. see it. Daniel Easy. Craig, Harrison Ford? Okay. Like, Olivia Wilde, Sam Olivia Rockwell. Wilde. Sam Rockwell? Oh. We got it. What a cast. Okay, sorry. Okay, anyway. Yeah. We're not watching Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> I we're think watching, we should watch that next week. We're watching The Thing. We're watching The Thing starring Kurt Russell, directed by John Carpenter. Woo! So, we'll see you in a minute. Itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You guys gonna listen to Gary? We can beat one of those things! Welcome back. The Thing, a 1982 horror movie directed by John Carpenter with the tagline, Man is the Warmest Place to Hide. It is based on the 1938 novella, Who Goes There? And it tells the story of a group of American researchers in Antarctica who encounter the eponymous Thing, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates, then imitates other organisms. The group is overcome by paranoia and conflict as they learn that they can no longer trust each other and that any one of them could be the Thing. So, we just watched it. We just finished it's hot off the Amazon Prime presses into our minds. How did we? How did we feel about it, everybody? How how are we liking this movie? 
what a great movie it was so good i'm really glad like i watched it finally um yeah it was so good but like right away like it was really no thing to fear um (laughs) it wasn't like that scary it was like super suspenseful it was kind of gross um well not kind of it was pretty gross it was pretty gross yeah it was a lot of but yeah what a like just immediate thought right when the credits started was wow that was a good movie Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i'm trying to think of something other than i loved it it was good (laughs) do you know what i mean like of all the movies we've done so far that's i that's the best way i can describe it i mean i think maybe then if to give even a little nuance i think this is a really holistically good movie in the sense that we've done movies that i can pull out really awesome parts and there are awesome parts of this movie but i think like beginning to end this was just the best work of film achievement of any of the movies we've done so far. Like, I didn't feel like there was Mm. a weak scene in the movie. I didn't feel like, oh, why did that happen? Oh, that's really weird. It flowed really well. And it was like, everything they did was at least a minimum, kind of like eight out of 10, that it was hard for me to pick out, oh, like just this one thunderstruck moment. It was just like, oh, I'm entertained by this film the whole way through and it's good and it's believable for what the premise is, right? Remember we talked about before, like once you establish a premise, you can suspend your disbelief as long as you don't break your own rules from that on. Mm -hmm. And this movie uh, stipulates an outrageous premise, but then doesn't break any of the rules. And I liked that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, I, again, I echo your thoughts a lot. I, I really enjoyed this movie top to bottom. It did a great job of ratcheting up the tension. It did a, it did um, you know, a great job sowing suspicion and like fear and 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 nervousness and all that. And you know, you're right, Luke. When you really like a movie or you like a a piece of art or whatever, it's hard to like talk about a lot. Like if you if you think you you talk to your friends about a movie you saw, and if it's like. Hey, how was that movie? Oh, I really liked it. Okay, conversation over. But if you don't like it, then it's so much like, I hated it. And here's why. Here's one, two, three, four, five reasons why. And it just, it seems like it's easier to talk about stuff you don't like than it is to talk about something that you, you really, uh, really enjoyed. But yeah, it was, it was great. Um, top to bottom. And we, we kind of talked before we hit record just after, after the movie was done, uh, as to whether or not this is a horror movie at all. Um, I know that, our opinions were a little bit divided. My personally, I think yes, because of all the creature and effects that it does absolutely land in the, um, in the camp of horror movie, but you were saying it's a little bit different Luke. Yeah. So I would acknowledge that I think like technically speaking, or maybe like in the (laughs) like film filmography classifications. Yes. It's a horror movie because there is the creature feature element. Mm -hmm. I just, if, but if we're going to judge like, kind of my emotional state through a movie like i watch movies where i've been scared like i can tell and it it wasn't fear i was feeling watching this movie it wasn't that kind of like your hair stands up uh goosebumps kind of feeling it was kind of like a a nervous on edgeness and tension like like, there's a bunch of different words that are close to the kind of feeling i can't think of the exact right one but it's like i'm nervous i'm anxious i'm tense i'm wondering what's going to happen next um, and I think part of maybe why it wasn't, I don't know, I guess we'll get into this, but it's like the characters were, um, kind of almost pragmatic <laughs> in the movie, which added to like the excitement, but not the fear for me. 
Oh, okay. Where yeah. I was like, if the characters were kind of losing it, I don't know, that would have made me maybe not like it more. But the characters like, okay, well, we need to figure this out somehow. And I guess I liked that because I feel like it's a little bit more... Re- <laughs> I mean, there's nothing actually realistic about this movie. But again, stipulating the premise... I found the characters realistic, which made it just kind of tense because they were trying to solve problems in a way that I would probably try to solve the problems too if I was there. Yeah, yeah. And before I get your thoughts, Alex, I I just agree. Like, you know, I couldn't imagine being like, well, if I was in that situation, I would have done it X, Y, Z way because I don't know what it would be like to be trapped on an Antarctic research station with an alien parasite that was taking over all my colleagues and was made of tentacles and spider legs because I haven't lived that experience. But uh, (laughs) like... I would, you know, 85 to 90% of the horror, if I'm going to say quote unquote in this movie, is kind of underground or out of sight, mm-hmm. right? So we know there's a monster there, but we don't know what it is or what it's doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, is that horror or is that thriller? Like, whatever. I guess it doesn't really matter. I just didn't, I, I didn't find myself scared ever in this movie, but I was still riveted. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Horror or no? Um, I, I don't think it, I don't think I would classify it as like a full horror movie. I think there are horror elements in a thriller in it, like a science fiction thriller movie. Um, like, like kind of echoing both your points. Like there's parts where, you know, it is kind of like scary and like shocking and, but like um, it's more so the anticipation of what's going to happen next and not, not knowing anything and kind of like, you, you know that there is a monster, but you don't know where it is and kind of figuring it out along with the characters in the movie is kind of what makes it, um, like if you were to put yourself in their shoes, uh, I think it's, it'd be very clearly like some of them are scared. Some of them are scared about what's going to happen yeah. and they don't know who's who. And, um, if you were kind of to relate to them, um, that's, that's the part that's like scary for me. But, um, yeah, like, like I said, it's not that scary, but it definitely has horror elements. Um, I think the best way I can relate this to real life is if it was like a high stakes real life game of uh, like mafia or werewolves, right? <laughs> yes. I was, I was hoping you'd make that point. Yeah. Like, um, you know, for those of you that haven't played the game, it's, it's just a sit down circle party game. And like um, people are given certain roles, like whether, uh, and then like the bad guys in the game, whether they're the werewolves or the mafia, they're trying to eliminate everybody, but they're also trying to stay hidden um, and unknown to the rest of the group. And it's about how like secret and subtle you can make things, and that that like this movie really made me feel like that. Yeah, I think I think it, it it's true. Like, yeah, we've we've all again our careers all revolve working around with kids in some way, and a lot of a good summer game is is like Werewolf or Mafia, where yeah, you have people who are doing one thing, and the rest of people are trying to figure out. And and I know there have been games in the in the recent years that have been like that have been like subterfuge so like things like resistance is one that comes to mind where you're either on you know you're on the team of the resistance or you're you know trying you're playing in the role of the oppressor and you're trying to sabotage stuff and yeah it was it was very much like a high stakes version of of that situation where yeah you didn't know who you could trust and they really sewed that in um pretty much from the beginning like uh and i think mixed with the the isolation and the Antarctic like winter and all the stories about like, you know, people are isolated at the South pole on a research station and you're going to have like winter crazies. Um, I don't know if you, you've heard this, but a a few years ago, um, 
and I'll probably get this wrong, so I apologize. You can at me with corrections. Uh, I will happily accept them. But there was a story that came out of a, a Russian research station where somebody ended up shooting um, a colleague in the research station because he like spoiled the ending of a book that he was reading. <laughs> <laughs> or a movie or a TV show. I, I, I'm definitely remembering. It's hard this to keep wrong. it together in the, <laughs> yeah. in the Siberian wastelands, right? Eh? Right, but it's, yeah, it's just like there. You're there. Tensions are high. Little things are going to get to you, and you, you can definitely see how being isolated can lead some people to doing that. And and this was just like, and now there's an alien. Mm. Here we go. Yeah, this would be a point I think we can get into a bit later in this recording because it, it's it's deeper. But I I do see so much of this movie because the monster like the ostensible monster is so hidden and underground throughout most of the film a lot of this is kind of like psychological problem solving <laughs> like yeah. there's so much problem solving going on about like in werewolf the only way to win werewolf is to trust someone but the only way but the best way to lose in werewolf is to trust the wrong person right, yeah right yeah. so yeah. you're like you're kind of like on the surface, it's a catch twenty two, but it's not. It means you have to start developing more abstract, higher order tests and experiments. And like, okay, do I know what Alex knows? Does Alex know what Billy knows? Does Billy know that Alex knows that I know what Alex knows that Billy knows? Kind of thing, right? <laughs> now, like, we could go way deep in that for this film, yeah, and make all sorts of theories. But at some level, that's what these guys are having to do, yeah, right. Absolutely. And so there's so much theory of mind going on, and like. Uh, the psychology and the psychology nerd in me loved this movie because there's so much of what what psychologists would call individual knowledge, communal knowledge, um, fractured knowledge going on that is so crucial that happens all the time in real life, but we're not in life and death situations all the time in real life, so it doesn't matter as much, it's not highlighted as much, and yet in this movie, this is what had to save people's lives mm -hmm. was all of this kind of fractured knowledge and, going on, and arguably they didn't really succeed in saving people's <laughs> lives. Um, no, well, no. The, the pressure was pretty high. It was pretty high. So this is a great point just to remind everybody that we are going to be discussing the movie as, as the plot and a rundown. And that means we're going to hit on spoilers. So if you, uh, if you don't want to hear spoilers, uh, I recommend watching this movie before you listen to this episode, but I don't think we've spoiled anything to this point. Um, but just watch this movie anyway. Yeah. Watch it's this so movie good. Anyway. It's good. Yeah. And even though like I had some things that were spoiled for me again, based based on just like how much this is talked about and you know things like this podcast will be just another like spoiler filled arena but it's it didn't detract from the enjoyment of the movie um at all and i think unless either of you have any more like final thoughts i think the best way to talk about this movie is again sort of through a plot rundown rather than a character arc because there's like you know, there's 12 people and they all kind of have their own like thing, but they're not, they're not like big expansive characters that have a lot of growth or arc. Like they're mostly just there to be like destroyed in a gross way. But yeah, any, how are we doing? Any, any other last little sh bits? Before I think, we get into I think it? as things comes up, come up as we discuss the plot, they'll come up. So let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. It starts. Seems like the thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thing drinking game, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Every time we say the thing and then someone makes a dumb joke, take a drink. If drinking's your thing. Um Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Drinking's your the thing. Um Yeah, so I like that it starts right away, you know what's happening. Alien spaceship, like crashing into Earth, just like here's a flying saucer. 
we're crashing down into Earth, and now you get the title sequence. It's like within the first minute, you see the saucer section from the Enterprise flying into the Earth a hundred thousand years ago. And but then, you don't know it's a hundred thousand. You don't years know it's hundred thousand. Yeah. That's true. You don't know. It. Yeah, at that point. Um, and then the next thing is we just see. All right, I was I was definitely the most vocal go. in this opening scene, like Absolutely. right after the opening like credits. All right, so pretty much the film starts out. You see a helicopter flying, yep, and you see a dog running, and you know, I would say most humans on Earth are like, "Oh, look, this dog is so cute." I'm immediately going to be a fan of this, yeah, dog. this dog. I'm going to be I rooting for the dog. dog. We were all like that. It's not just a cute dog. It's like a purebred husky. Yeah, it was. It's like the dog of dogs. Yeah, almost. Yeah, like, like, like we were all commenting how beautiful that, this dog is, and like <laughs> you know, like I want to pet it. And yeah, who looks at a husky and is like, oh man, I wish this was a pomeranian. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying is true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Don't add us uh, or do. What's your favorite dog? Let's find out. Anyway, okay, we're seeing so- this dog run through Hoth and yes. Run through Hoth, Alaska, Antarctica, whatever, some snowy area. We later learn out it's probably British Columbia or the like Alaska. Uh, that's where it's filmed. Anyways, so there's the helicopter. You're all around it. There's a helicopter flying, and you see the guy leaning out of a helicopter holding a gun, like a, a like a large rifle. And immediately my thought is, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Why are you trying to kill this beautiful, cute dog that I want to pet? And I think John Carpenter did a really good job immediately at like kind of toying with the human emotion and immediately making you feel uh, compassion towards this animal and immediately making you think, oh, this, whoever is aiming this gun and throwing these grenades, I don't like them right away. I don't like you. immediately the antagonist. You're bad. Yeah, you're bad. And I just thought that was a great way to open up the movie. On the specific, like, actual first scene with the ship coming in, it didn't look like 100,000 years ago. It only looked like it was about 40 years ago. (laughs) Ha ha. A little joke about the technology. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I, what I did love... I hate you. <laughs> I did love that scene with how it... it um, the colors of the ship kind of like going into the atmosphere translated into the actual, like the thing opening credit as the yeah. name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got big time color, shiny, vi- uh, thir- uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind vibes mm-hmm. from that scene, yeah, which would have yeah, been yeah. five years before this movie. And just seeing how cool, just like the little things that are like a nod, like probably conscious little nod to that film, right? Which is also a movie about aliens. Yeah, yeah. And so I loved that. And then, yeah, I, I the thing is, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. There's, there's um, like you underneath. mentioned before, Billy, there, there were a, I, I knew the general plot of this movie. Yeah. I knew the background setup. I knew it was an alien that came and kind of like imitated bodies. Mm-hmm. I knew some of the famous scenes just because I'd seen them on YouTube clips and stuff like that. And so I knew in that opening scene, Alex, that the dog was the thing, right? Like I knew that. So I wasn't surprised when they were shooting at it from the helicopter. But you're right. If you didn't know, you'd be like, fuck these guys. Yeah, and I didn't know, right? So, I, I like, what were you thinking when I was making all these verbal comments? Well, about, like, what's wrong with you? Like, don't, no, not the dog. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking this is probably the exact reaction that was hoping to be getting out of audiences at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, and I, I, I did not, like, I, you know, I was sad that the dog was being shot, but I knew enough based again on what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've listened to about the thing is like, they always sort of talk about the scene with the dog and they always sort of talk about this and that. And like, it opens up. And I even, when I was Googling the, uh, sorry, ask Jeevesing the, um, <laughs> the synopsis, um, 
you know, it, it, it talks about like one of the, the articles that came up was like the thing dog scene. And, uh, so when I saw it, it was like, okay, yeah, this is obviously meant to be a red herring. You're supposed to like side with the dog and be like, why is the thing shooting at it? You know, very, very, through context, I was like, ooh, this is like a set. This is a false setup. So I, I kind of saw that one coming and I was like, I know there's going to be something happening. This dog's no good. And then like, I like that it doesn't really act like a dog. Like it's very well trained. Like, you know, usually a dog barks. This dog didn't bark at barks, all, Barks right? and like when it goes and sits down, it always does like that little like spin around in a circle and like sniff and then sit down. And anytime they had this dog like laying down, it was acting really like <laughs> stiffly and moving really yeah. like, like it was so well trained, like well done to the animal trainers on, on this movie. Just the fact that it wasn't acting like a real dog. It wasn't like, you know, doing all the doggy doggy things um, was, was like, okay, something is wrong. I don't know what, and I don't know when, Yeah, but then its face opens up and it's all tentacles and <laughs> yeah. spider legs. And then like... at that point, it becomes a doggy dog world, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew you had a dog in that fight. <laughs> anyway, th- like as our listeners might be able to intuit right now, Billy is face palming. So I will add just a note about the dog. <laughs> it is almost impossible to make a husky look scary or unattractive. And yeah. they do in this movie. They do. It's scary. Like, there's just the, the look on its face, the way it's walking. It's kind of like lack of, like you said, Billy, lack of doing dog things while it's still walking around. Mm-hmm. So it's like visually a dog, but not, which is obviously such great foreshadowing for the plot of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like that little filmic aspect of it is is part of, I think, why as we get nerdier and nerdier in talking about film, that's such a good, like the, pl- the, the placidity of the dog's emotion, but it's look in its eyes and then what it manifests. Oh, it's per- almost perfect yeah. in terms of setting up a monster in yeah, a movie, right? E- exactly. And we called it the, uh, the Chekhov's dog. You know, if, <laughs> yes. if you introduce a dog in the, the first act, then somebody has to get shot with that dog by act three. Um, <laughs> but as it, <laughs> as it happens, that's really dirty. <laughs> as it as it happened you know the dog doesn't really make it past act one i'd say like it's it's really quickly pay off but anyway so we see the dog scene and and cut through this whole thing is we're getting the the basic introduction of our cast of characters we see you know um you know evidence as to why in the 1980s kurt russell was like the world's most handsome man in and man Kurt Russell, like he can get it. Like well, he's Kurt Russell, he can get it. <laughs> you can, you can, like I can Objectively. absolutely yeah, understand yeah. that he is so gorgeous. Oh yeah, and <laughs> what a mensch! Hey, just, just <laughs> like like the eyes, the beard. You know, I, okay, I've maybe. always been a Kurt Russell fan, yeah, and like great. it wasn't his early movies that I first saw. Like first Kurt Russell movies I remember watching are like Miracle or like even things like Death Proof. The, the kind of like those other movies that he's a part of. And, and now obviously he's more famous for the Fast and Furious and Guardians of the Galaxy type of roles, right? Yeah. But those movies from, and especially the John Carpenter movies from the 70s and 80s, oh, he is so handsome. Oh yeah, he's a handsome man. Yeah, handsome I read, man. I read uh, so the regular cast members got paid 50000 and 
uh, he got paid four hundred thousand. Holy damn! So you know he's four hundred thousand dollars worth of handsome well, in this like movie. Eight times the price is that right? Yeah, but also or seems so? super low for a movie. But that's nineteen eighty two dollars, I guess. Nineteen eighty two four hundred thousand. How many movies do you think Kurt Russell would do now for only four hundred? Today's dollars, that's one billion dollars. I don't know how to do that math. But yeah, so we see we see this like ragtag group, and it's kind of got like. Everyone has like a weird quirk. Like the radio guy is wearing his sunglasses inside. The cook has roller skates on. There's like a big time stoner man, um, a kind of tightly wound boss guy who's like really trigger happy and just like fully breaks a window in this Arctic research station. Like probably without too much provocation. He was just like, something's going down, break window, start shooting out of it. it. Yeah. The whole group's um, got like tropes, right? They got so many tropes. Yeah. All the tropes. There's definitely stereotypes going on in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool just to see them get set up. And, and like, you you don't really see too much of them interacting. There's like one scene where they're, uh, you know, they're playing cards or a couple people are playing pool and they're just like hanging out and they're, they're set as a research station, which uh, brings up really the, own, the biggest quibble I have in this movie. Okay. Uh, and I like that it was just done for, for plot effects, but there's like, it's just this vague, like we're doing research the end no more right. but for some reason <laughs> they have multiple flamethrowers and dynamite and explosives and like guns 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 if you're in antarctica there are no land-based predators that's why penguins are a thing so mm. it's like what are they on that they need all this like artillery and this like these it's, firearms it's the norwegians and well like is it is it a military thing is it a scientific thing you don't uh, know and technically so, i guess yeah. 1982 is still in the cold war so it's probably for the Russians. Okay, okay. <laughs> like if they come across any, you know, hostile Soviet. Because mm. it's like, there's no laws there, right? It's not a country. Right, right. So it'd just be kind of the Wild West. So I'm along that, with that. That yeah. could be a reason that okay. would be plausible. But again. We get none uh, of your that. Po- your point, I think, still stands. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> we find out that the thing is susceptible to fire. And great, we have five flamethrowers and it's just like okay yeah it's good they have those flamethrowers and if you think about it for too long you're like why though why do you have these for research for like (laughs) we're doing research on what fire does to ice melts research over they they do have to go to the (laughs) coldest place in the world to figure that out i i I guess so yeah so i that is that is like the only the only quibble is it's kind of like slapdash of like here they are in this research station and now things are happening yeah no that's fair um you know, whatever. It doesn't need to be explained because you just need to get a set up and be like, you're not here. John Carpenter's not like being like, I'm going to write this really tense, like scientific reason. It's just like, no, watch all this like gross gore stuff. Well, we can, uh, we can continue the stereotyping, I guess, and just say that because this is the early eighties and this would have been a, uh, American kind of governmental overseen institution during the Reagan era. Of course, they're going to fit them with <laughs> absurd levels of ordinance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Perfect. I love it. I'm on board. Trickle down uh, armament. <laughs> yeah, trickle down armament. Exactly. <laughs> if you burn bright at the top, eventually it will get down to the roots. Yeah. <laughs> so we see the the Norwegians come in, and they end up basically uh, they end up shooting the guy who's trying to shoot at the at the dogs, and then the the other pilot like tries to throw a grenade. Sometimes somehow it just falls out of his hand beside the helicopter. It's cold. Your digits don't have the uh, dexterity. Blow up. Okay, I, I that was a movie trope I don't like. 
where the person with the more impressive gun shoots multiple times and misses its target, and then the person with like the handheld six-shooter pistol always does a headshot. Yeah. Why? Just Why can't boom. we just yeah. ever make a movie where the person with the pistol misses more than the person with the rifle? Right through the it's eyes. It's Han Solo too. versus the Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that anyway. I just <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. like in every movie. Yeah. So anyway, the, yeah, they 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 take out these Norwegian uh these Norwegian folks and then they decide to go check out what their camp is and we get like a really really cool scene of exposition and like a prime example of show and don't tell. Um so we get to this scene, it's all like the camp is all burned out. There's uh, like all the windows are broken it you know snow is blowing in and then they they walk in and you see them like there's an a bloody axe being hacked through a door they find a guy in the like radio station or whatever who's like slit his wrist and like slit his throat and it's just like really gory and really gross and then they bring back um you know they bring back a body that's all like twisted and grotesque and, and, and mutated and they they find like just these little pieces like they don't understand at all what's going on and they have to parse it together and i really just like that we got to see this scene of like something really bad happened here and nobody knows why and they just have to figure it out i really i really like that scene in the norwegian base and i think um and don't quote me on this or you can i don't care that the 2011 movie they made on this is supposed to be what happens at that norwegian station um i think i bet it's this movie but in norwegian (laughs) sorry am i i must be missing something here the 2011 is a new movie not a remake or a digital it's a a new movie oh okay that's exactly why you didn't want me to watch the 2011 trailer no yeah (laughs) like is it really that different i don't know i wonder if the working title for it was another thing (laughs) (laughs) i get it just also you're totally right about the show and don't tell i mean that scene it reminds me of so much of like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, where these shows have like five, six, seven, eight minute scenes of just some really stretched out plot of yeah. something minuscule and benign. Vince Gilligan can <laughs> yeah. fill a screen. <laughs> but how about this too with um, how we're introduced to McCready, Kurt Russell's character? Oh yeah, he's too cool to even know the difference between Norway and Sweden when oh, yeah. he's told. About he's just it. too cool. He's just always asking about the Swedes. It's like this guy's too cool to learn about geography. It's like I don't care. But yeah, you're right. It's with, a, with a hat, with a hat like that, when you're a pilot, you don't need to know it's geography. Good hat. Yeah, we see he's like the the hero. He's doing the he's doing arguably the most intellectual thing on the station. He's playing chess against the like chess machine computer, and then he loses. So he pours his whiskey into it and it's like oh that's a that's interesting he's a poorer sport than uh what was his name gary kasparov was when he lost <laughs> yeah, to, to what is it deep Wait, blue or whatever beat, didn't he beat the computer uh he did but then he didn't like it was it was him he was the grandmaster the first best grandmaster that got beaten or the last one like whatever he was the la- humanity's last hope to beat a machine and then he also lost at some point to the machine so but yeah, sorry, like the scene itself, Billy, you're totally right. Like just walking in to an installation where they don't know what's happening and they have no context and they're just like trying to piece it all together. And it's good storytelling because we're like, uh, there's probably a word for it in filmmaking where the audience is learning with the characters. Mm-hmm. So it's like our level of knowledge is the same as the characters. And then like a lot of good plot twists come when 
the audience thinks it has the same knowledge as the character, but it's it's a gap there, right? Yeah. So and I, I, and I I prefer learning the learning the plot with the the people that the camera is following rather than like you know knowing like knowing one thing and like watching them like operate under false information is like, no, it's right behind you. Turn around. Like, yeah, um, that's such a good point for this movie because there's so many scenes that they could have thrown in with the thing doing its thing, (laughs) if you will. And then the audience would know more than the characters, right? Exactly. And a lot of movies do that, but this movie doesn't, this movie keeps the audience with the same kind of level of knowledge of what's going on as the character. Yeah, we never get a, a a smash cut back to the research station when, for example, when Kurt Russell and and I think they, he brings one of the doctors there. They go to the Norwegian camp and we we stay with them. We don't know what's happened with the thing, so it could have been during that time um, that you know the thing has infected somebody else, and we don't know, and we don't get to know, and that's that's really cool. What I also liked about it is as they're kind of doing their investigation of what happened and trying to figure things out, they're doing it in such a like logical way right like he's picking up the notes that are on the ground they Mm. bring back to their base videotapes of stuff they actually go to the site of where the spaceship is and like yeah it's it's a very like it's not like a definitely the the way the plot was written isn't to hold the um hold the the viewer's hand and be like we need you to know exactly what happened like so we're going to tell you explicitly you're like you find out along with the characters and whatever they don't know, you don't. You also don't know. Yeah. And that, that's what I really liked about it. And I think that's what added to the tension of the film and kind of added to the suspense. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, you know, we see the, we see the like frozen body of, uh, you know, a person who is being like imitated by the thing. And at the same time, we get like the, the dog scene. So you know, he, they kind of do an autopsy on this grotesque, it looks like it's a person, but maybe it's more than one. And maybe it's like a weird amalgam and they're doing And so we get to see like this static shot of this like gore. And you see that like, again, a really good creepy part of horror making is like to take human hands and just make the fingers really long. And like, that's, that's like weird and gross. Like I talked about it in insidious when we saw the, the lipstick face demon. (laughs) Um, And it had those like really long fingernails. And so it's like, it's like a hand, but it's wrong somehow. And so we get to see that like frozen version of the thing. And then it cuts to that night where the, they put the dog in with all the other dogs. And then you're just like, Alex, you're still like, I think there might be something up with this dog. And then it's like, I was getting bad vibes by that point. And then it's like, it's whole face opens up and it's like all blood and gore and bones and spider legs and weird whipping tentacle spaghetti, (laughs) spaghetti noodles. Um, and that's, that's just like a, the first like horrifying like scene. And it's, it's very gross and very visceral. And I get it when people say like, yeah, the scene with the dog is like really, really gross. And it gave me very strong, like, again, you know, stranger things vibe when you see the Demogorgon and its face opens up in like all the flower petals, like that's sort of what happened to the dog. Yeah. It like splits open into four pieces. Uh, yeah. That's great. And that's so great. You're just like, Oh, ugh, ah, it's so gross. And then of course they just like, burn it with a flamethrower and you think everything's okay. And then, uh, it's not. Here's the thing. Here's, (laughs) here's the thing. Yeah. So that I wrote that. uh, I love that scene. The dog scene. Yeah. Just, just like to, to linger on it for an extra moment because 
imagining watching this movie for the first time, it's such a jolt from what the re- the previous 15 to 20 minutes of the movie have been thus far, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the previous 15 to 20 is animals, humans, guns, uh, very technical stuff, yep. uh, installations, um, alcohol, <laughs> like all the kind of like normal things you might, well, you know, there's just nothing yeah. particularly out of place thus far in the movie and then boom monster and you're just like yeah whoa what a great contrast so far right such such a good one and i like that it 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 lowers the tension again because we think that they they burned this like dog they got rid of it they did it and obviously you find that mccready is you know they still feel safe enough to to parse through the 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 movies that they're watching and, and they find out like oh we got information that they found something in the ice and so they go out again and they go out and explore and that's when they find the ship you know under the ice and they we find out that it wasn't crashing in 1982 earth but like 100,000 years before that and this thing uh which like I totally get why it was called the thing because you can't put a name to it you like the creature it's it they doesn't could have, they could have done something creative like call it lipstick face demon <laughs> no <laughs> well but see that well okay i i guess we'll talk about it now just the name of the movie yeah um at no point does it manifest in anything that we really have words for right other than mm. like monster yeah <laughs> right the closest it's monster, thing is it's monster. creature it's and, thing yeah like, it's, so when it's something that's you have to say about talk about it but you don't have enough time to deliberate on what's the best word for this thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like just the catch all English word for, uh, we don't actually have a name for this, but we need to talk about it. And it like defies, you know, it defies, I guess, taxonomy. I don't know if that's the right word I'm talking about, but like the way, you know, the way the thing imitates people and the one it's like, you know, shape-shifting and alienating out it's nothing that's like expected you know we see uh later on when it's you know replicating and attacking more it um you know the doctor is doing uh defibrillating on it and it's not like the person who it is its mouth opens up it's his stomach that opens up and is a mouth Mm -hmm. and then when you know when that like head is crawling around it's not like the eyes that are in that head grow like weird long stalks. They like come out of the chin and the, mm-hmm. the like, like it's, so it's all wrong. Like it's like, it's nothing that you think is going to happen is going to come out. It's all wrong and it's all messed up. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have like a, like a relatable form to it. It can, it takes on anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing can be anything. And like, there's like obviously lots of gross things, but like you never see it as like a final form, right? Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's constantly evolving or it's slightly different each time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what makes like, well, oh, like I can't wait to see they, what it comes out. They to do next. have a kind of, not a throwaway line because it's the line that makes them do the Petri dish experiment. But yeah. I think it's McCready says maybe every cell is kind of like its own organism. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's, I mean, in scientific terms, basically uh humans are uh, uh eukaryotic creatures right like we're made up of mu- we're multicellular right yes. so like as one organism made up of many cells and the thing about the thing <laughs> that is so kind of mind bending is that it's both eukaryotic and prokaryotic which means it's both multicellular and single cellular right like it it's a organism like a human or a dog which is eukaryotic multicellular but also every cell is its own organism which is not and independent and independent and, like, yeah, and not- could survive on its own yeah so it kind of like can congeal and separate at will when it needs to we see that with all of those points you were making alex and yet that's so um 
obviously counterintuitive for us. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously, I know that both of you are made up of cells, but if I cut my hand off, it's not going to like keep crawling around <laughs> exactly. and being like, I'm exactly. Do hand stuff. Now. And so, like, what would be my word for that? Mm. Thing. <laughs> right? Thing. Thing. Yeah. yeah. We got so, it. It's, it's such a perfectly named movie, I think. Yeah. And just at this point in the movie, we're seeing tensions and suspicions and the, the doctor, we have this really great scene with the doctor. His name is, is Blair. And he is, he's doing some like scans on the computer about the cells, like the thing cell taking over like a dog cell and it being like, Oh, it's like indistinguishable from a dog cell now and taking over. And then it's, he sees that projection of how many hours it would take to take over the entire population of the earth. If it got up Antarctica and we see, 27,000 hours, which Luke, you did some quick math. It's 3.08 years. 3.08 years. So that's how long it would take. And we, you know, as we're watching it, we think like, oh, this is his like, uh oh, it's bad. We need to, um, we need to, we need to stop it. And, and, but maybe the thing has already taken over the doctor and is like, oh, sweet. Now I know how long this is going to take. Slightly slower than COVID, right? Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was like, this is a little bit confusing. Maybe this is a quibble. I don't know. It could just be a kind of a fun plot part. But it was unclear whether Blair, the doctor, was under the influence of the thing or not. Mm-hmm. While I think that's he, on purpose. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. kind of cool because he's like he's calculating. He's trying to figure out what it does, and then he's destroying all the equipment that would uh, make it easier for the thing to leave the you know isolated area that they're in. So. At surface level, okay, he's a human who understands repercussions as is making this grand sacrifice. Basically, with the, he's under, he's aware that they're all going to have to die <laughs> instead of spread the thing. Yeah, he to knows the rest of the he world. knows the end of the movie and yeah. part one. Right? But by the yeah. end of the movie, he's clearly the thing. So, is he infected at that time? Right. Does it happen later? Is he is the thing playing four D chess? with mm-hmm. with all of the humans Cheating where it's bitch. like no one's gonna think it's him they're just gonna think he's crazy but like why would the thing know that about human psychology like i don't know it's just kind of cool because it's unclear well and then we we because during that scene where he's destroying all the radio equipment right before that we see him like running away from the helicopter and kind of like hustling out of there and they just look at it and they're like oh he sabotaged it but to me even like in that very first shot of the interior of the helicopter it looked like stuff had been ripped out and then later on we find that he's been like building his own like alien spaceship uh, under the the tool shed and so at that point you know that sort of retroactively when we saw that ship being built it retroactively brought me back to the point like oh maybe he was the thing at this time and was just like you know building building the ship he's been building it for like a long time in secret and he was being weird and nobody really thought of anything oh that's that's a great theory because Everybody else in the movie who is the thing is working really hard to not draw any attention yeah. to itself, right? And yet Blair is by far drawing the most attention to himself of any of the characters. Absolutely. And so that could be like a hiding in plain sight aspiration of the thing. And we, part of why this movie I love is that it's still unclear. <laughs> yeah. We don't know because <laughs> the characters don't know. I mean, speaking right? of like, Hiding in plain sight. I, just re- that just reminded me of a time I played. I played a game where like I had to be a counter spy. It was one of those like card games, like Resistance or whatever, where it was myself and one other person who was the the 
we were trying to bring down everything. We were trying to trying to ruin it for the rest of the players. And I am notoriously bad at those games because I have no poker face. I giggle, I laugh, and I realized that my best option was to be as obvious as possible and be like as bad a spy as I could because it drew the attention to me and not my co-conspirator who was able to like affect things. So like it was a game where you had to be picked for missions and I just like, I just le- leaned into my bad poker skills and just like kept giggling and like looking at my card a bunch of times and being like, no, yeah. you should pick me. And they were like, no, we're not going to pick you. You're the spy. We'll pick this girl and she's going to be okay. And it was like, <laughs> good. You fell into the strat. Like it was like, I used my weakness as a good strength. They thought so little of you. <laughs> they thought so little. <laughs> that they didn't even take you on and thus you were able to win. Yeah. And that's see like that, but see, okay, we'll get into this. Cause we're getting I, into it. I have so many, opinions about the psychology of this movie but you're what you're talking about there billy is just you are manipulating the form of knowledge that people have mm-hmm. that is person to person not objective fact in the world right oh, okay it's, yeah. it's just pure like the the general term for all of this stuff is called theory of mind like what do yeah. i think is going on in your head right what do i think is going on in alex's head and you are in that situation and this is maybe I'm not a scientist or a professional in this, but I'm Disclaimer. a competent amateur and really curious about it. You are metacogitating on what you think other people will think you're doing, right? And then you're like picking out different paths that would manipulate their opinion of you going in that they might not reflect on because you know that they're not going to reflect on you because you know your own weakness, <laughs> right? Like there's so many different, like if you think about knowledge as a scaffold, I know, but this, but this, this is what good writing does is yeah. it, it, it happens on many layers. Yeah. And so if you think about like building knowledge about yourself and others as a scaffold, Billy, you understand that you're only able to get to level one of the scaffold, yeah. but you know that that's going to be the assumption of everyone you're playing with. So you actually go to level 0.5 of the scaffold. <laughs> so then they're above where they think you are so that they actually trip on the 0.5 level of the scaffold because they're anticipating a uh, level. And then because you do that, you're actually at level 20 of the scaffold because you actually beat them. <laughs> This is that Princess Bride scene. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and Inconceivable. We, we could go down, like there's no end to this rabbit hole. This rabbit hole is very I would just, I would posit that I can't remember a movie, like I'm sure there are some, maybe Memento, that plays with what we think about what they think about what we think. This is kind of like a basic version of it because it's a monster and it's yeah. a few people. But I love it because it's basically like, okay, MacReady thinks Childs is doing this. But does Childs think that MacReady thinks that uh, Windows is actually doing this? And what does Windows think about Palmer while Palmer's thinking about get- – like, like, if you really wanted to back up full like full canvas about what these people are doing in this movie, you could do oh, that it is- for hours. And that's what they're having to do to stay alive. Yeah, it's definitely it, – it screws with your head the whole time and it's – deliberate it's on purpose like they want you to they want you to think like that they want you to try to jump those hoops so that you trip over and fall Mm -hmm. and just be like you just come to the conclusion where it's like ah fuck it burn it all down exactly (laughs) and the truth is we do this all the time in life right we do this with the friends family everyone we know it's just that we're not always like trying to defeat a monster that's manifesting our own existence (laughs) or are we who could know damn who could know yeah go Alex is just stunned. 
You said a lot of words, Luke. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is this is probably on record as now our most confusing episode to date. Um, <laughs> well, but because so it's like the reason why it's so difficult for all the characters to know what to do is because they don't know what the thing wants. Yeah. Right. They don't know its motivation. They don't know what it's so. One of the reasons humans work together so well is that we can communicate our motivations and incentives to each other Mm -hmm. so that we can cooperate and build stuff and work together, right? Like, we're such a group-oriented species for survival. Obviously, that's really well shown in the movie. They're in such a hostile environment that if probably if any one of them disappears, it's going to be a lot harder for all of them to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's how we evolved, too, which is why we had to develop a theory of mind. And so... (laughs) <laughs> I loved that the solution to all of this was a scientific experiment, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, it was yeah, yeah. a, oh, okay. And like, what's a better iconographic thing of science than like a Petri dish? Maybe a microscope, but like a Petri dish is right up there for like, oh, we're doing science. Yeah. And that's how they do it. Like McCready's like, okay, well, we're going to test our blood. We're going to put a heat. Like it's essentially an experiment that h- saves them. And I loved that motif too, because to me personally, uh, for all of the terrible things humans have done in the world, I think our greatest thing is development of the scientific method mm. and experimentation to try and help each other and grow out of the mud of our, you know, yeah, yeah, prehistory. Yeah. For sure. And I loved that it was actually, that was what they had to do because it's like, that's how you stop witchcraft. Once you have developed a science of meteorology, you don't blame the neighbor you don't like for <laughs> the withering of your crops, right? Right. And And like you'll notice in the movie because they don't really know what the thing wants, they have to start blaming each other and they just start going after people they don't like already. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, true. oh, fucking Windows. I don't want to go with Windows. He's a weirdo and he's an asshole. Right? So it's like, because mm, they don't yeah. have an actual, like, object, a thing to think about, uh. they revert back to prejudice. Right? Hmm. Palmer's a, uh, he's a pothead. I don't like him. Yeah. You know, Gary's an authoritarian asshole. I don't like him. Yeah. He's the one I'm going to... So it's like... McCready, the pre- you're too loose and cool Exactly. The, the prejudice start coming back. And I love that it was actually... The way that they solved those problems wasn't giving in to those prejudices. It was like, we need to do experiments to find some more objective version of the truth here. So anyway, I know that's yeah. a lot, but... That, that's so much. And we could, we are, I think irrevocably tangled up in knots and listeners i want to i want to let you know if you are confused right now that's totally cool and if i I'm, i guarantee you i'm as confused as you at the time of recording and i will be as the person who edits this <laughs> i will still be confusing having to have listened to it probably multiple times just to like clean up sound and stuff but oh my gosh yeah so it's it's definitely a psychological psychological twist and i think if we keep talking anymore we're just gonna like go around in circles and and <laughs> which up, is what they had to do and we'll just end up killing each other <laughs> all right so the bottom line is yeah. at the end of the day revert back to science right yeah science science without making it its own idol yeah but like because there's there's no way for them to figure out who is the thing like that was part of that wow. was a, a conversation they had right it's i can't like, make it this idol i just made this petri dish out of solid gold that i'm <laughs> right, worshiping exactly damn it but they didn't know what to do right like there was that was a big segment of it it's like how would we even figure out who the thing is here Mm -hmm. right yeah because they can't trust because the original the original test they wanted to do was they have a bunch of like saved blood in storage for presumably for medical reasons like if you need blood transfusions um and their plan is okay well we're gonna take a little bit of our own blood 
injected into this like control blood that we have and we'll if see the control blood goes whack we know that this if, person's in- yeah infected, if the control yeah. blood goes bad then we know that you alex are uh the thing and i am uh the human and yeah so that is their like answer they're like we're gonna do it we're gonna solve it and then of course what happens is immediately after they come up with this solution, somebody's broken into the blood locker and like slashed all the bags and it's, it's basically ruined and gone and they can't do anything about it. And that just sows more suspicion and more doubt and more like fear and like looking across at each other. I guess um, it must've been Blair then who did that. It must've been right. Cause it wasn't both copper and Gary, the two people who had access to it weren't, weren't things, the things or they, yeah, because they had normal blood when it was tested. Yeah. Was, he, was he locked in the shed already at that point? Or? I think so, but then we saw him, like, he dug that big underground right. tunnel, and so he could have been around like, all this time. All sorts of stuff. Like, I think... And who's who's to say, because we still don't know, who's to say that if I'm, you know, controlled by the thing, can the thing leave a little, like, still stay in me, but kind of go out and go do its own thing? You know, mm, like send off a little like yeah, send off a little micro thing to do its thing. While absolutely, I'm still a it thing. can right yeah. because the head of the one that they killed just walks away it's and they have to, to kill that away. one too. Yeah, yeah. So this whole time, Which, is there another thing was... sneaking around the base? All right, all right. I want to talk about that, and I think we should talk a little bit. This is a perfect segue. Two wheeled vehicle, I guess. Oh, it's a two wheeled broom. Okay, <laughs> that means let's I bike can't... into the next one. <laughs> oh, damn it! That means I can't edit it out of the top, and I have to keep it in here. Okay, yeah. all right. For those, no, 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 no. In my defense, no. Bike did not cross my mind when I was thinking about a segue, okay? Fuck. So anyway, I think we should talk about the effects and oh, how yes, good those yes, are. Like yeah. I think we should I think we should we should leave the plot rundown alone because it's just confusing and it's making my head hurt. And we should talk about the effects and how like good the benefits of mm. a practical effect are even like what is this, eighty two? Mm-hmm. So that's thirty eight years mm-hmm. ago. Like how good those still hold up. Like you can tell it's not a real thing, a real thing. It's a puppet, but just like seeing the, the visceral, like misshapen body with like mouths in the wrong place and like dog heads poking out of it. Um, like that, that, you know, effects and that puppetry, like hats off to Stan Winston for those designs. Like those are mm-hmm. friggin' incredible. It does something CGI just can't, you know? Yeah, if this had been a CGI thing, and this is why this is the only reason why I'm really curious to maybe see the 2011 one. I don't know if it's been done with practical effects or uh, CGI, but yes, CGI would not have worked, especially not in 1982, because we would have had like the big, thick black outline of like the effects of you know the the stuff flying around scene in Poltergeist, where it's clearly all composited in. I think it's it's because it's an actual physical solid thing. Yeah, and right? you can see like when the doctor is like cutting it open and pulling stuff out, like he's actually doing it's it. It's weighted. It's it it's might meaty, be, you know. It might be you know uh, puppets and slime and special effects, but like the fact that the actors are actually playing against something physical is just like you just can't get that with CGI, and that's part of the reason why the big CGI boom of the early to mid two thousands, everything seems so wooden because you're just acting against a green tennis ball against a green room and no wonder you know it looked weird and and awkward and stilted because like having the ability to like get your hands in and and like you could tell that when they're all tied to that couch and who is it the stoner guy what's his name palmer palmer turns out to 
be a the thing when he when McCready does the like blood test and then we get that petri scene where he touches it with the the hot wire and then it's just like, bleh, like amazing hey like i don't know how they did that effect if it was just like a little explosion or, or what like spring box maybe a little like yeah he opened the jar and was like mm, peanut brittle and then it was snakes <laughs> it was snakes that flew out into his face yeah there's like four or five uh, scenes in the movie where you just get the surprise monster and it's yeah. amazing it's, it's so good but then like we see yeah we see the we see his body start to like warp and shape and then he's like attached to the couch and you can see that the two guys who are trapped on the couch with him childs and gary are like terrified Mm -hmm. and like they're reacting against something that's like there and it's all puppetry and like waving around but still like it's easy to react against that because it looks so gross i also like that in that version the thing's mouth was just like two halves of palmer's head um like a piranha plant from super mario brothers (laughs) yeah yeah so like Again, the practical guy. With, the, with the practical effects, I'm left so off the top with like, it was so good. Or Holistically, like across the board, it yeah. was just so good. Like, I don't even know what kind of detail to give about why it's so good. It's just, it's very John Carpenter-esque, right? Like that, the look, it's kind of, it's just grungy. It's gross. but it's, it's grotesque. It's grotesque, but it's believable. And it's like terrifying if you're there. Ah, it was, it was awesome. And, and it's like, and it's, it's even a, like you can kind of tell that it's not real, mm-hmm. but that doesn't matter because it's like real enough that it's disgusting. Well, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't even matter if it's real or not because, like, it's something that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So you you yeah. have no you have no frame of reference, like no base as to what what. The, if if I really saw a thing, what would it look like? Right? You have no thing to compare it to. Exactly. Yeah. No thing. No thing like that thing. So the thing is. I lost my train of thought because I'm thinking about so many things, but like it does it. What do I think Billy thinks you're thinking though? Oh my God. So that, yeah, like that's why it looks so good is because like you, you just can't compare to anything you've ever seen before in real life. So yeah, whatever John Carpenter is showing you, you just have to take, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like right now. And yeah, so that's like all the effects are outstanding and hold up so well, especially, uh, one of the last scares sort of before we see like the thing as the fullest monster of itself, where it has just like heads popping out everywhere and flailing arms is when, hand? when Blair like smothers Gary with his hand and he's like, you see his like fingers go into his face and just like, like just that whole scene was like so visceral and I wonder, like, how do they do that? Do they have, like, little makeup, like, little finger sockets for him to, like, put his fingers in? Was it a dummy? Because it looked like it was still and then as, the actor's as he, face. As he's walking away and dragging the body, it's, like, attached. It's, and, like, like, attached wiggling. to his fingers and, oh. and moving around. It was, it was very, Unsettling. very visceral. So if you're, like, if you're squeamish, like, this is maybe a, a content warning, a way late content warning. But maybe, like, if you're really squeamish, consider that when you're going to watch the thing. But yeah, oh man, just the the effects were so good and they held up so well because they were real uh, as far as they could be. And, you know, you can definitely see how how that translates down the line to things like E.T., you know, looking mm-hmm. so cool. Things like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, right? Like those were all, for the most part, practical. There's a right. little bit of CGI in there, but just having like, you know, a practical creature to mm-hmm. interact with um is so good and i think yeah i think well it set it set a lot of motion and it was so contrasted to what everything else in the movie looked like 
Mm. right? Because we're at an installation. So it's all science equipment and weapons and very clinical and then, and, and kind of like scientific, I guess also. And, and being in the Antarctic, yeah. it's all yeah, just yeah. snow, right? It's barren. Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. just get this fleshy, visceral, disgusting thing. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's not just that it's the, the animatronics, you're right. And the, and the effects look cool, but they also don't look like anything else in the movie. And one of the problems I find with CGI is that once you rely on it, it's just everything kind of looks like everything else in the movie, even if it's really yeah. cool artistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas nothing looks like the thing in the rest of the movie. It's yeah. so unique and of its own nature. Mm-hmm. So I think you know we've we've talked in endless circles enough about what we've liked, but like the very end of the movie, I kind of want to hit on the very very last part where it's Childs and McCready, and they're the last two people left, and they're both just like. Like we are left not knowing if one, I guess we know that they're not both the thing because actually you don't even know that you don't even know that, yeah. but I feel like it's pretty easy to rule out them both being the thing. Cause they probably would have done like a weird tentacle high five thing. Been like, ha we did Yeah, but we it. have no idea if part of one of the things knows if the other one of the things is the thing. No, or not. no, no more, <laughs> right? no like, more. <laughs> but, but well, that's the answer to the question yeah. is that, yeah, we and the characters don't know what the thing wants or does or can do or is capable of or wants to do, right? Like it's just we. It's a it's a black hole of knowledge about this thing, and you can just pour pour so, in speculation forever without filling it up. Exactly. So we get to see we get to see the very end where it's McCready versus Childs, and they are just sitting in the snow as the base is burning around them, and that's how the movie ends. They share a drink. That's great it. ending. It's a great so ending. So great. So good. But yeah, I think I don't I don't have anything else to add to this this discussion that's not already going to confuse me. So, <laughs> I think unless you have any last thoughts and please no more higher thought. <sighs> I'm thinking what she's thinking, what he's thinking, what they're thinking. No more of that. Any other thoughts about the thing before we rate it and move on? Um yeah, kind of just talking about the ending a little bit. It's um you're still left with so many questions, right? So many. Kind of how, what Luke said earlier. Um, so I thought I thought it was a great ending in in that. Not only do you as a watcher don't know what what's going to happen or what what will happen, but I feel Childs and McCready don't know themselves either. So mm-hmm. they're just lying there, like we don't know what's going to happen. I, I think that's one of the last lines. Is like I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And then they share that drink, and um, I think. Me, me being a watcher of of movies and stuff, I always like to try to put myself in the shoes of the characters, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like, well, if I was McCready and I just came face to face with this thing and I blew up the whole station and I know that it dies in heat, but it wants to be frozen so that you know whoever comes across this site next will unleash it again. Yeah, like what, what would I think, right? And it's kind of like, well, do I take that risk and let it f- go cold? as a still living entity that it could be come in or do I just throw myself in the fire and end it once and for all. But then also there's child's here and I don't know, I don't know what child's is thinking about this. And then it was just, it's so hard to put myself in that position because I don't mm. even know what to do. So it, it was just a great ending that they don't know what they're going to do. So they just, they decide to drink, you know, and just hang out and see. Yeah. Guess we'll see. I mean, realistically and darkly the best thing to do for your own survival is just to kill the other guy. <laughs> Like, that would be how you would have to... If you know you're a human, like, that's the only thing you but can know. But another thing is, like, 
But then it's like, you're, you're not surviving anyway because no. because your your entire base is burnt down. You're in the Antarctic. You have no radios. It's you have winter. no vehicles. It's freezing. Yeah, but Alex, the the life finds a way. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, oh. Jeff. Right. Thanks, so, Jeff. like, I just I I would get the impulse to like try and survive. But again, I guess they could do that experiment again. They could test their blood. They could, right? like they that could would do be, that. That yeah. would probably be the best thing to do. Well, there. I think it's inevitable that both of them are dying anyway, regardless of if they become the thing or not. You're not surviving out there without yeah. any supplies, without any communication when it's freezing cold. Yeah. Right? You're dead. And yeah, it's like the, the idea of it being winter in Antarctica. You can't fly down there. You got to mm-hmm. wait for the spring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a great psychological head fuck of a movie for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's let's rank it. Out of five things, um, <laughs> five the things out of five. Um, what do you, what do you think, Luke? Um, I guess probably I would give it four point five things out of things. You know, it was just so good because you are you can really feel their helplessness mm-hmm. and their while, suspicion and their suspicion while they have to uh, actually be the opposite yeah (laughs) right like it's just the the inverse proportion between how much they need each other to survive versus how suspicious they're getting of each other yeah which pushes them away it's basically like so much tragedy because it's a movie about the breakdown of communication and trust and how that manifests and i mean not to put too fine a point on it, but recording this in 2020, this doesn't feel like we're at peak society trust and communication <laughs> with each other with all the things happening in the world. That's true. And yeah. uh, I, I I guess I like it because for a movie that's ostensibly about a super or a, you know, a, an alien, something extraterrestrial, this is actually such a human movie because mm. of mm. A, such a social psychology, about social psychology. And the necessity of, if you don't get it right, here's how fucked you'll be. Yeah, for sure. So 4.5 from yeah. Luke. Alex, what's your ranking? Um, This was an easy 5 out of 5 Ooh. for me. A 5 out of 5? Ding, ding, ding. We got a Whoa. 5 thing. We got a 5 thing. Nice. Um, yeah, I think unlike the two of you, I actually went into this movie completely blind. I, I didn't know what it was about nice. at all. Um, I'm, I'm like, so happy for you. Yeah, for so I think it was, it was just like, it was a riveting journey, and I enjoyed every little twist and turn of it so we got a five out of five five out of five um i am i am in the i'm like between a 4.5 and a five like i'm hesitant to give it like a five i might go you know what? there's none of those numbers exist i'm gonna go 4.75 that's my rating i liked it a lot it was very good it was very uh listen this podcast was my idea i get to decide the ranking (laughs) So I'm going I'm going 4.75 things out of 5 because yeah it was it was a great movie um I will answer this question before I ask it to you but I would absolutely 100% watch this movie again mm-hmm. anytime like I might I might put this on and just like watch it again like later this yeah. week would you watch it again Luke Absolutely because I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea if this is the case, but this is the kind of movie that, if it was made now, there would be so many breadcrumbs yes. and Easter eggs and things that happen that it, upon a rewatch, you realize, like, all the things that Blair maybe was doing, all those little tidbits would be in the film again if it was a modern movie, for sure. So mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know if any of that's in it, 
you know, it's like, just what see, is like, the thing doing? Are there any hints along the way that we missed because we didn't know what we were looking for the first time through? Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I would. Alex? Yeah. I'm um, kind of echoing what Luke said. Um, I, I, I think even if we were to rewatch it again, like immediately we would pick up. On Should some we watch things. it right now? Right now. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think, I think, yeah, we could pick up on things right away. Um, so yeah, I would definitely rewatch this. Um, probably not like right now. I'm kind of hungry. I want to go, you know, get some lunch. But uh, yeah, maybe in the next couple weeks or so, I would watch just it again. check it on and, and give it a watch. So yeah, yeah, definitely a strong recommendation from all of us here. Um, if you haven't watched the thing and you are okay with like a lot of gore and gross stuff, like watch this movie. It was good. I liked it a whole lot. And with that. We'll move on to our closing segment. My my new favorite part of this podcast is the something to cheer section. And this is where we can just pick something that we're liking. We're reading. We're watching. We're experiencing. Just something to cheer. Uh, who wants to go first this week? I'll go first. Alex is going first this week. Yeah, so I, I kind of shared this with Luke and Billy um, this morning when we first got here. But my something to cheer is that, you know, without getting into too many details, um, uh something like some exciting things are coming up for me for work um obviously with um you know the pandemic uh a lot of our regular day-to-day has been you know changed or completely shut down and um a lot of the parts of my job that brought me joy um i wasn't able to do but with this new you know um thing coming up in work it's gonna give me if it feels like it really feels like um i have a purpose to this summer and it's well-intentioned and there's a lot of meaning to what I am going to be able to do. Awesome. How about you, Luke? I actually, I would say of all of the things I can think of in the last, you know, week since we recorded, the thing that I am <laughs> most cheering about is the fact that I've now seen this movie. Oh, yeah. The thing. Um, for its own sake, for sure. But this has been a movie that's been basically universally panned, like I said at the beginning. And now having seen it, I can see why. You say like, universally panned. As I've a always great... heard that as like a bad thing. Oh, oh! Like sorry. I'm panning on this movie. Uh, it's like no good. Like universally panned as a great movie. Universally praised, maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know well, panned better... just means across. Oh, okay. So like across the spectrum, mm. it's been. But you know what was interesting? Thing. Like, kind of a side note, but I I, I went I, I went over the Wikipedia page after this. Apparently, when this movie first came out, people didn't like it. Yeah, it was. And the director, uh, John Carpenter, he immediately lost like a future job of his because of mm. how poorly this movie did ah uh, he got colin trevorrowed <laughs> <laughs> well i i i don't know like this is a pure speculation i bet you part of that is because it's actually r- way smarter than it seems and so if people don't pick up on that then you're gonna it's it like without that extra interpretation of all of that the way that they're having to relate to each other it's kind of like well okay monster shows up and kills them all yeah, but I it's can, way more than that. I right? can see that being like, this wasn't a happy ending. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted exactly. to know at the very end who was the thing and yeah, who I wasn't. Think a, a 1982 me would have been a lot dumber than a you know 20. Because it's not exactly a Hollywood movie, right? Like this isn't. It's, no, it's not a. It's not like happy ending. Here's all the normal tropes. Here's what we expect out of the characters. Answers yeah. aren't given. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so your, your cheer is like watching this movie and just it. knowing that this is a cultural staple that I can reference in the future as something for all the particular mm. reasons I would want to. Yeah. yeah. I love uh, it because yeah. I love culture and I love learning more about it. It's great. Um, at the time of recording this has been kind of a tough week for me i don't know when this is coming out but it'll be in your in our future in your present listener um 
in your past now there there's it's just been a tough week to be on social media and to be a trans person and to just so much bad stuff has happened so i was really really trying to find something to cheer for this week and aside from getting to sit down with like my two good friends and like just enjoy chatting which i always always cheer that i watched on netflix i was just picking something i was like i need something that's just going to distract me for a little bit and i finally got to watch uh teen titans go to the movies (laughs) which is uh as a like comic book movie fan um i had never watched the series it was definitely aged like way younger than me and it's definitely a movie for kids but the amount of like joy and comic book cameo easter eggy stuff in that movie is great and it has probably the best closing line of any movie i've seen where just before the credits robin looks at the cameras and goes kids ask your parents where babies come from and that's how the movie ends (laughs) (laughs) and so that's that's my recommendation of something to cheer it was just a fun romp silly silly plot lots and lots and lots of good dc and marvel like cameos and stuff the the bad guy is deathstroke or yeah i think it's deathstroke in teen titans and they keep calling him deadpool um (laughs) the whole time and he's like i'm not deadpool (laughs) that's a different guy so good (laughs) and so so i i just um yeah i just had a blast with that um and that's my something to cheer for this week so that'll bring us to the end of another uh, very fun episode of Nothing to Fear. Thank you for listening. If you are, you know, in the in the in the headspace to do it, leave us a, a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. It helps, you know, move up the ratings. We love it. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Just yeah, thanks for having us in your ears for a little while. And uh, follow us on all the all the social medias, uh, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us nothing to fear podcast at Gmail. And, uh, we'd love to, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this movie or any of the movies we've done. So thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining me, Luke and Alex. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And we're out. Nothing to fear is hosted by Billy Schultz with Luke Mason and Alex Wan. Our logo was designed by Katie Rogers. Check out her work at put underscore that down on Instagram. Our theme song was composed by our very own Alex Wan. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nothing to Fear Podcast, or feel free to send us an email at Nothing to Fear Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded your podcast uh, to help us move up the charts. It really makes it visible for a new podcast to get up there, and we appreciate it a lot. Thank you again for listening, and remember, they're just movies. There's nothing to fear.